Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Cow Corner Podcast. The Darren Maddy Special. With me, the Dolly Dropper, James Hurl, Mr. Birmingham League Ton, Andy Harrison, and Mr. Loyal, Joss Elliott. And welcome back to the Cow Corner podcast and a very special edition of the Cow Corner podcast this episode. If you are watching us on YouTube, our little graphics probably giving it away. Um, but we are joined by a Warwickshire County Cricket Club legend, former England player. A man who doesn't really need any introduction, but I'm going to give it a go. So we've got three tests, eight ODIs. 282 first class games over 13,000 runs scored over 250 wickets and also played in the first ever T20 World Cup we are very 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 glad to introduce legend Darren Maddy how are we Darren very good thank you yeah that's a lovely introduction by the way (laughs) (laughs) no it's great and um when people talk about the things that you achieve, it's, you sometimes have to pinch yourself. I never imagined for the life of me that some of those things w- would have happened to me when I first started playing cricket so many years ago. And um, whilst it was always a dream, like it is for most young boys and, and even girls now, um, you, t- to actually achieve it and, and actually live it and do it is, is amazing. Yeah, sorry. The, the, the mixer just went on its own little thing now and just gave me a different voice. Uh, but yeah, so you started um, at Leicestershire, first of all. Yeah, that's right. That was my home county. I grew up <clears throat> playing cricket, just a, a cricket ball throw away at a, a local club called Leicester Banks. My dad played there for over 25 years and, mm. um, and I grew up playing there. That's where I really learned my cricket. That's where I I learned to be part of it and associated with a club. That was my first love and where I grew up loving loving the game. And whilst we were playing on a Sunday, I, you know, we could hear the applause from Grace Road when David Gower was smacking them everywhere in the old Sunday league. And, you know, that that was they were the mom, my early moments. I can still smell the, um, the wooden pavilion. I can still hear and feel the spikes on the concrete steps coming down from the pavilion, the smell of the grass. You know, we've all mm. had that 
those moments and uh, that's where it started for me and uh, I, I really grew up in a, in a cricketing family where my dad played league cricket for over 50 years and every weekend Saturday, Sunday midweek fixtures he played everything and uh, and that's where my love for the game started mm. so once I knew that you could become a, a professional cricketer and, and then you could even play for England that was all I ever wanted to do and you know boys from my sort of neck of the woods village you know town small town north of Leicester they don't they don't sort of always realize their their sporting dreams and, and to be one of them to do that is you know I feel myself quite lucky so you mentioned David Gower but growing up who were who were your inspirations well I mean during that time obviously in both of them I mean he was the, he was a legend 1981 um, ashes of course I was only seven years of age so that was like a fairly early memory but Anybody who played county cricket or test cricket, I just admired and probably respected way too much when I played against them. <laughs> I, mean, I was in awe of all of these players. And it was like the first time I walked into the England changing room many years later, back in 1999, and I introduced myself to the team. And it was only a couple of years ago I took their posters off my bedroom wall. <laughs> you know, so I was starstruck. And um, it, was a, it was a big moment. And I probably, you know... <clears throat> I, I didn't play enough for England, really. I, I didn't. I didn't take my opportunity, and uh, you know, whilst I worked very, very hard to get into the England team, I found myself very quickly out of the England team, uh, and that was down to performance. But it was also probably because I overthought it and was, I'm not going to say intimidated, but overawed by the occasion. You know, being in the changing room with these guys who I had on my wall, you know. What was before. it? What was it like that moment when you obviously? Well, unless 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 something seriously goes wrong with England cricket, we're never going to have this opportunity. But what, what what is it like to get that call up and what went through your mind? Well, I suppose it's like a build up, really, because a couple of years before, you you, you know, you make your first class debut, you get your first first class hundred. I was lucky to play in a, a championship winning team in 1996, and then from there onwards, I was picked for the England A team. So I had two tours with England. And my life very quickly changed. You know, I had a successful tour to um, Sri Lanka and all of a sudden your name is being branded about, you know, so a year later you're making your ODI debut, having had a, a very successful Benson Hedges comp- campaign. And then a year after that, at the same ground, the same venue at the Oval, you're making your test debut. So when your name's being branded about, it doesn't come too much of a surprise. It's more of a relief that everything you have worked towards is, is come to fruition and you're making your, your test debut. And I got called on the Sunday afternoon and I reported down at the Oval the following day on the Monday. You have four days of preparation back then and then you, you play your test match. And, and that was it. It was very, you know, I, you know, you hear stories of people reading yeah. it on teletext. Yeah, Mine wasn't quite like that. I did get a phone call from when I remember, but it was that pure relief and yeah i was i was trying to think of a a way to describe my my time in the england team i very you know i worked hard to get up to the top of the mountain and when i reached the apex i quickly fell down the other side mm. and off the mountain and that's how short and brief my england career mm. really was and by the time i hit the bottom they'd already replaced me with marcus trescothic who had a fantastic oh. career he was a brilliant player mm. and um there was really no no chance getting back into that team mm-hmm. so you have to reset your goals and 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 I found that part tough that was the hardest part mm-hmm. of my career after having achieved everything I ever wanted to to then reassess and, and, and start again um, thankfully and luckily it came several years later with a with the World Cup of the T20 mm-hmm. 
and being here today at Edgebaston and watching the Birmingham Bears play, this is where it all really changed for me because when when T20 first started, I didn't want to play it. I'd yeah. made my test debut. I'd made my ODI. I'd won the county championship a couple of times with Leicestershire. It's like, what else? This is a young man's mm. game. I'm mid-30s. But I was in a bit of a rut with my with my cricket because, you know, readjusting to not not striving to play for England in a way. Uh, and T20 was a great release for me. And I got this reputation of being, okay, pretty decent at it. And I got this reputation of being Mr. 2020. So mm. when the first World Cup was announced, I kind of hoped that I was going to be included. And sure enough, I was. It was the same time I moved over to Edgebaston. I was captain in Warwickshire. I'd rediscovered my my form. I was mm. playing as well as I'd ever done previous to being called up for, for England anyway. And... Um, and I went to the World Cup and played for England again. It was a totally different experience. You know, I would say a lot more enjoyable because I had a bit more personal success. Uh, and it was great to to play for the country again when you thought you were never going to do it. Yeah, I was about to say everything that you've said so far. And then was there a different mentality going back into that England side? Even though, I mean, T20, everything I've heard from people saying when T20 originally started out, there was still a little bit of indifference and people maybe not taking it as seriously as they do now. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think Australia had their nicknames on the back of their shirts. They, you know, I'm not saying they didn't take it seriously because they beat England. They beat us at, um, at Cape Town in that tournament. But it was, it was a very different mindset. It was a new thing. And it was, you know, it's probably the best thing that happened for T20 cricket mm. in particular because India won it. And from that was a, was a conception of, of the IPL as we see it now. Um, Later that year, I think I went to the ICL, which was the Indian Cricket League, and um, which didn't go down so well. I think it was banned, and, and we all got banned from playing locally in India, and, and the local players weren't allowed to play cricket any further. But from that, the I, IPL was born, and, mm. and it is what it is today. And and I mean, it's massive. I've, I've I've been watching the IPL this 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 year, and I've never seen cricket like it. I think it's been phenomenal. Um, what do you think? Where where do you think? Oh, I mean, the big discussion in cricket at the moment is obviously where where the game is going in regards to domestic cricket and international cricket and T Twenty and franchises. Obviously, Jason Roy in the news at the moment because of his major league cricket connections. Where where, where do you see it going? Do you see it moving more towards these franchise sides? Yeah. You're absolutely right. I mean, well, it's very difficult to predict the future at the best of times, but it's a very interesting time for cricket at the moment because it, you know, all of these franchise leagues are happening around the world. The best players are now all committing and playing and being paid handsomely for it. So they want to continue playing. But I think it can all coexist. Mm. Um, and I think it needs to coexist. You still talk to those top international players. They still value test cricket. That's a benchmark of what they want to achieve and, mm. and, and be part of. So, but if you take away India, Australia, and England, you know I I do worry about where Test cricket lies in in the other mm. countries, and and I hope I'm proved wrong with that. But um, you can see something upsetting the the balance of those of, in those nations. But I think these franchise leagues are here, and and they're going to be here for a while. So we've got to try and make it all work so it, it fits in domestically with with every country, and every country has its own franchise, maybe league that is as big as the IPL because I mean the audience for the IPL is is huge and if we can replicate that in the other tournaments you know cricket's only going to benefit do you do you kind of like look back at 
your own career and look at where cricket is now and can't, do you think that you would be more suited to playing you know nowadays or would it's, it's that's a hard question it's a hard question <laughs> I suppose we're, we're all in different generations and I love my time because I think I I had the the end of the 80s and the early 90s period when I first started you had the great West Indian team and then I saw you know played through the great Australian team and you know cricket changed dramatic, dramatically you know world domination really from the West Indies to Australia and I'm really pleased to be part, played against those teams and um, and witness those teams and play with and against those players so I would never change my era but I can remember thinking when I was a young lad and some of the senior pros were being paid a pittance at that stage and especially at Leicester dare I say it and I was thinking if they would have played 10 years later how much different they would have you know, experience with financially anyway. So, you know, I suppose it's like premiership footballers who played. Started the, Matthews, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they didn't get paid anything and now now they get paid ridiculous mm. amounts of money. It's all very relative, isn't it? And and it's the same, you know, I, I would never change my time yeah. in the game. And and I and I can honestly say through the good times and the bad times, I loved every single day of mm. my career because I was like the boy that never was never going to grow up. I just wanted to play cricket. If I could play twice a day, I would do. If I could play every day for a whole year, I would have done. Other people didn't have that same opinion, mm. and I found that hard sometimes. But for me, just being a cricketer and playing the sport that I grew up loving was was the biggest win I could, I, you know, I could possibly describe. And and to do that for twenty three years, that you know, I was really ha- really happy with my lot. Of course, you you, you watch. Mm players play now and it, I've, I've earned that right to say it's very different in my day and you know, and, <laughs> you know how would he be how's he playing and I could have done you know you earn that right you become a better player once you retired mm. but the skill level of the modern player now is phenomenal and whilst they might play cricket differently to mm. the traditional values that maybe some of my generation had it's so exciting to watch and it's taking the game to another level and, and I think that's filtering down now and T20 has played a part in that because whilst it was a bit of a joke, it allowed batters to express themselves and play shots that we never dreamt of, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Now you've seen them in test matches. You've seen scoops and reverse scoops and reverse loops and all those shots that, you know, you got chastised for if you played and got out, and, mm, yeah. you know, <laughs> back in the day. They're now doing it and, and freely, without the fear of failure, without the worry of the consequence. And that's the biggest change. Mm. And I think those environments that you see in the modern day coaches create, you know, the mm-hmm. baseball, you see McCullum and what he's creating with Ben Stokes in the England team and allowing them to go out and express a, their talents is, is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think cricket's in a better place and, mm. and T20 has played a part to that. So. Yeah, so you joined Warwickshire um, in 2007 and after just one game you became... <laughs> captain and then led the side to promotion winning division two in 2008 and then won the county championship in 2012 as well as the Yorkshire Bank 40 in 2010. Now obviously your son is uh, now part of the Warwickshire setup playing for the twos. How is George going on and uh, do you feel like there's any weight on his shoulders having a dad who's uh, achieved so much for the same club? Well I mean let, let me just set the record. <laughs> um, I was actually made cap. I moved. I moved from Leicester to Warwickshire, and I wanted to be captain of Leicestershire. And it, it was. I was never given that privilege. I, I did it occasionally in the absence of the captain. 
on the eve of the very first game here at Edgebaston, we were playing Lancashire, in fact, I got a phone call from Mark Greatbatch saying, we want you to captain. His streak has stepped down. So the very first game of the season, I was actually captain, but it wasn't announced publicly until the end of the game. <laughs> so Streaky tossed up and I did the captaincy on the pitch because the committee wouldn't allow it to be announced until the week after, which it did. And then my captaincy, despite rediscovering my form, which I mentioned earlier, you know, we got relegated <laughs> in both the championship and the, and mm. the Pro 40 that year. And part of that, at the halfway stage, we had Dale Stain, who mm. was a South African fast bowler, who's just about to break back into international cricket. He was phenomenal. And we were top of the table at the halfway stage. And I thought, could this be really happening to me? I'm <laughs> captain of Warwickshire, one of the biggest clubs and prestigious clubs in the country. You know, I've rediscovered my form and I feel like I'm actually, you know, a professional cricketer again. I'm batting at the best I've ever batted for some time. And we're top of the table. And in my first year as captaincy, we could actually win the championship. Mm. But of course, the contract detail, uh, deal that we had with Cricket South Africa, he had to go home. So he went home. We got replaced from with Paul Harris, who, who had a really good year the year before. He was a left arm spin bowler, but he failed to take a wicket for the remainder of the season. So we very quickly went from the top of the table to the bottom and, of course, relegation. And, and despite having Kumar Sangakar, who was one of the greatest players I've played against, and a nice name to drop into this conversation <laughs> as well. Very um, nice name. He, uh, we, we got relegated, sadly, and mm. it didn't work out. But the following year, we got, you know, Ashley Giles came in as director of cricket. We, we got back onto winning, mm. winning ways, and it's all about momentum and winning habits, and we got promoted again and... I was quite glad at the end of the year that I felt like I'd done my bit as captain and mm. I was happy to step down after that, which I, I regret because I love being captain and I love being part of this club. Mm. So that was my the start of my Warwickshire experience. And, you know, and then I had a few injuries, which um, with a knee injury, ACL, and I got hit in the face and things like that. And so the, the end of my career was probably the hardest part in the whole 23 years because, I mean, my career really ended in 2010 when I got hit in the eye socket and I was worried that I probably wouldn't get full sight in my right eye again. I had 10 fractures. I've got three metal plates in my face now. I've got five new teeth and all of these things that probably people didn't realise, but it, it affects the way you bat. And, um, and of course, you know, that was, that was the start of the end. But now I've got two boys in the Warwickshire system, uh, George and Isaac. They're both actually playing together today for the Warwickshire Academy team, the under-18s at Starport. And um, they're going really well. We were very proud last year. As you mentioned, George got his rookie contract for a month to play in the Royal London, and he made his debut for, for Warwickshire. And, and people kind of expect it because they're my sons and they're doing well. But actually, George has got his own identity. He's a left-handed batter. He's a wicketkeeper, so there's no resemblance. Unfortunately, Isaac is a spitting image of me. He's the same body height, shape, and everything. He's a batter who bowled a bit of medium pace. Uh, he's probably, but but he's a better. I'm no longer the best cricketer in my family, and you know, so I've got to tread. I've got to tread carefully when I'm around at home. And despite the um, the help and support I give them, you know, they they they've overtaken me. They're good. They're they're doing really well. We're very proud of them, and um, I hope that they are able to love the game as much as I did and also have the, the same experiences that I did. And of course, it's only natural for me to want them to be better than me. And, mm. and as I said, they already are, but I hope they go on and achieve mm. bigger, better things. And it's great. Well, one thing I was going to say was like, 
growing up, my generation, I my family were all from Hinkley, so you, you should know Hinkley yep. pretty, well. pretty well. And uh, obviously, growing up, I knew you obviously played for Leicestershire. Um, and it's a bit surreal today, actually, turning up seeing Glen Chapel walking around. Like, I used to watch him. I was sort of, uh, we were saying, uh, in between Lancashire and sort of Warwickshire, Worcester. Yeah. Some of my family are from Lancashire as well. So, grew up watching yourself, Dougie Brown playing, loved it. That's why I wanted to be an all rounder, really, as a cricketer. But one thing I say is like, um, you, to me, you changed T Twenty cricket yourself, and if there's a handful of others, obviously, all rounders that just changed the game completely. Like, where would you see yourself? Obviously, we've already spoken a little bit about the hundred. Where would you see yourself now? I, and I love the fact that you were talking so much about Test cricket and how much you'd love to play more England cricket. What would you do now? Be, being honest, would you would you go for the the franchise stuff or would you? Stick to the, I, I, the the test cricket ODIs. Yeah, 2020 I try and England. do both. I mean, Ben Stokes, Joe Root. Yeah, you know they're all doing doing both, and that you know playing playing for England, playing for my club. I, I remember when the IPL first started, and I think there was only one or two of the English players going putting themselves available for the auction, and and actually got a gig out there. Mm. And I didn't want to do that because I felt I, my loyalty was to the club. I wanted to be better. I wanted to be the best county cricketer around obviously it wasn't I know that I know my place within the game but that was my I always wanted to be part of this club mm. and part of Leicestershire and be the best that I could be and I didn't it didn't feel right with me to to disappear for a month and a half to okay I could have doubled my wage salary yeah. but it didn't feel right at that stage now that was at the very start of the IPL and the infancy of that and things have moved on very quickly and it's now changed and it's accepted I think I would Still want to do both, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, Chris Wokes, I know, has played for obviously played a lot for England and played played in the IPL. Yeah, I think he can do both, um, and I think the schedule now is starting to understand that and be more sympathetic to allow mm. players to do that, which is great. Um, the ultimate aim: you can't get a gig in these big major competitions unless you are playing for England. I think you've got to have the profile, yeah, to do that. So you do need international cricket, and this is this is, I suppose. It, up for discussion, the player who uses that international, uses the international cricket platform to to better themselves, further themselves, to make you know money in franchise leagues and, yeah. and turn their back on it. That's, I suppose, up for discussion. That would be disappointing. Yeah. Um, but I don't blame them. We only play for so many it's years. Short career. It's a yeah, short career. A short if you're career. a fast bowler, you you know you, it's 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 brutal as you, you yeah. know even we've seen Joffrey Archer you know oh, the injuries and, and yeah. how much we would want to fit Joffrey Archer for the Ashes mm. this year but it's just almost impossible to... so I think that you've got to find the balance yeah. I, I really do and it's going to be interesting to see how it all works out yeah. um, with the ECB contracts and everything I know it's yeah. been in the papers recently but um, you know I, I don't blame any player at all no. I don't blame them at all but uh, I'd still want to play for England and you know during COVID, I'm gonna I'm gonna bore you with this story, so forgive me. It's I was, all good. It's all good. To try not to picture it too graphically. <laughs> <laughs> I was in, I was lying in the bath during COVID. We're locked down. What else is there to? So five o'clock. You either have a glass of wine or you go and have a bath. <laughs> and I was watching <laughs> something on the uh, yeah. Well, I was watching some cricket on the iPad, and I was just daydreaming, thinking, wouldn't it be nice to score and have another opportunity to score a hundred. Okay, so, you know, you go through that visual. Yes, we've all done scoring hundreds of ways in your bat at whatever level. I just want you to score 100 again. And then I thought, 
you know, my chance. I wish I'd have taken my chances more for it when I played for England and played in front of that big crowd, that buzz, that feeling of playing for England, representing your country. I kid you not, 25 minutes later, I get a, a phone call, somebody from the PCA saying, would I be interested to go to India and play for England legends in this Masters tournament? But you've got to fly out. This is on the Friday <laughs> night, but you've got to fly out on, on Sunday. So we're in the middle of lockdown. I've not seen anybody. I've not picked up a bat for two years, probably a bit more, actually. And I was like, yeah, I'm going. I just called the wife. Okay, to go. She let me. She said, yeah, you can go. <laughs> On the Sunday, I'm at Heathrow Airport. I'm in the business lounge all day. It wasn't the proper business lounge because COVID. With KP, we're flying first class into the, <laughs> into India. And, and whilst we're in quarantine for 10 days in the hotel, as soon as he came out the night after, we're playing against Bangladesh. 10,000 people were live on TV going across oh India. Two nights later, we're playing against India in front of 40,000 people. Sachin Tendulkar, Virendra Sehwag, Yuvraj Singh. Okay. And we beat <laughs> India. And the TV audience was something, I don't know, 50 million, even probably more. It was crazy because Sachin Tendulkar. I mean, you oh, can yeah. just imagine. So I've gone from 10 days before lying in the bath, daydreaming about playing <laughs> cricket again. And there I am playing for an England legends team against India legends in the middle of India in front of 40,000 people on TV, live on TV. It was the most surreal thing. And it was the most enjoyable moment of my, you know, of my life since retiring. It was absolutely brilliant. Did you and, get the 100? Well, uh, ah, no, not whilst I was out in India, but I right. came back and I played some league cricket. I was about to say, this, yeah. is, this, is, this is where I was going to lead into. <laughs> yes. so, um... And I was playing for Candy And yeah. the year before, I captained... Only in the second team because I wanted to play with George. Yeah, I didn't want to play cricket again. Everyone was saying, you've got to play with George. You've got to play with George. So I was like, okay, I'll play. But I'll captain and I'll stand at slip and I won't bat and I won't bowl. And I had a whole season, not batting, not bowling. But I loved it, just being next to George, captain of the team. We did really well. That was during COVID. The next year, <clears throat> due to my school commitments being back on and um, I wasn't able to play so much. So I, I'd stepped down as captain, but they were short. So they said, can you play? We want you. We want you to bat. I said, well, look, if you're going to make me bat, I want to open the batting. Either don't bat or I'm going to open the batting. And I said, no, 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 open the batting. So I opened the batting. All that week, mental preparation, you know, still hadn't hit a cricket ball since India. And I went out and I had a decent knock against um, Ellswood. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and I got my 100. Okay. Fantastic. So after all of those years, I have a day, you know, thinking about just one more hundred. It's all built us. up. And yeah. Like, oh. And then I loved it so really? much. I said, I'll play next week. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got another hundred. Did you? Oh, I felt like, I've got to stop now because that yeah. doesn't happen. Very often. And I, you know, it was just, it was just nice to be able to do oh, that again. Easy. Yeah. That, nice to that, that, that just a hundred was 170 runs off 144 balls, 17 fours, six sixes. Imagine, imagine turning up for Hillswood that day and uh, all of a sudden format. <laughs> It was the hottest day of the year. It was so hot. They were flagging bless. And I was respectful because I could have yeah. I could have maybe turned it up a little bit more than I did. I was I, I think I was quite respectful. Um second and, gear, second gear. But actually that. they they dropped me bless them, they dropped me on fifty. They they put on offer to anybody who got my wicket, I think it was a bottle of whiskey to the bowler. And I hit this most gentlest catch back. To the to the spin bowler and he dropped it. No, oh, no, <laughs> it was I was your on day. fifty. It was your day. So um, um, I, I've been there. Yeah. That's so um, <laughs> you've never been on fifty. The Poor fella. Oh no, I mean yeah, the spinner. I dropped it. Yeah, I dropped, <laughs> I dropped quite a few. But that's what we live for. And you know yeah. what? 
and scoring 100 for K&D second mm. 11 gave me as much satisfaction after yeah. 10 years out of the game than scoring my last first class 100. Amazing. You know, and, and scoring an England A. I never got one for England. Um, I got one in a practice mm. match between test matches, but I never got, a, you know, what I like to call a proper international yeah. 100. And, um, you know, they, every every single time you score 100, it gives you great satisfaction oh, because that's ultimately what you always set out to do when you walk out to bat. And you don't, you know, for obvious reason, you don't always do it. Yeah. So <laughs> talking talking about that, obviously you, you played for Berkswell as well as uh, K&D. How much have you enjoyed your time playing in the Birmingham League as well? Well, I mean, my experience as a club cricketer as a young boy before I made it with Leicestershire you know, I played for Leicester Banks and I moved into the Knotts Alliance League and played for a team called Cloud and Park. And then I turned pro when I was 17 and they wanted me to play in the Leicestershire Central League. So I played for a club in the Central League. And I hadn't played club cricket really for, for 20, almost 23 years. And um, Don Mosler was always on the phone to me during my last year or so. Come and play, come and play. And I agreed to play whilst I was still a pro. And I walked out to back. As a, you know, I was still I was still playing for Warwickshire. I walked out of bat at Berkswell at number three or four. I can't remember what number I batted. And the first ball I received back in, in, in club cricket was a length ball that hit the wet patch. And as I pushed forward to defend it, it hit me right on the top of the helmet <laughs> off a length. And I thought, welcome back to club back cricket. Club <laughs> this is why. This was the biggest incentive for me to play first class cricket was to get off wickets get like off this. Wickets like and it. now I found myself, I'd done the full circle. Um, I played a couple of games that year and Dom was on me and, and if it wasn't for Dom also, I probably wouldn't have played because I said to myself I'm not going to play any more cricket I'm, I'm done I'm finished you know I had the problem with my eye and everything like that I didn't really know where I wanted to go but Dom had a very persuasive way in 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 getting me to play for mm. them and I loved it and I had I think I had three years and I absolutely loved it and we had a we had a great team mm. at Berkswell where and it was perfect for me. I didn't have to get there early and knock up. I didn't pick up a bat from, you know, game to game or one season to the next. We turned up, we played a bit of football. I took a few catches. I got my back loose because I had chronic back injury, you know, pain through most of my career. So I'd warm my back up, get my hammies loose, bowl a couple of balls, and then we play cricket. Yeah. It was like if Carlsberg did a cricket team, you know, like that <laughs> yeah. famous advert, that was the perfect team. We were all sort of ex-pros, all at different stages of our lives. And um, it was really good fun. Mm. And I loved it. So when I finished at Berkswell, I said, right, that's it. I'm not playing any more cricket. I'm, that's it. I'm done. And then, of course, you've got to play with George. You've got to play with George. You, got, you know, you regret not playing with George. And that's when it on, all started again. On George, where, where did the keeping come from? Because as a kid growing up, I always know it through my grandparents, like, I was always going to be a bowler. They're bowlers. I want to be a bowler. And that's all I worked on. I didn't, didn't bat for years. Mm. I hated batting, but I just wanted to bowl. But well, did you have him in the garden <clears> or something? Did he pick it up from somewhere? He, he just loved playing cricket. Man. I, and I can tell a story, and, and the rumours are going to start now. My best mate's Paul Nixon, wicketkeeper, left-handed batter. I love Paul. Great I want to know what happened because George is a wicketkeeper, mm. left-handed batter. And, uh, maybe, <laughs> and we call him, we call him <laughs> Oh, my Lord. We call him Uncle Paul. <laughs> you know. so, uh, oh, my God. That's brilliant. Yeah, so before the rumours start, there's no truth yeah. in that one. <laughs> if he starts bowling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he loses his hair. That's it. <laughs> He's a bit of a badger, but um, we, um, you know, ever, George is exactly the same as me. I was around my dad from a, you know, 
going watching him play cricket and as soon as I could walk out, you know, as soon as I could catch or throw, it was a, I had a ball in my hand and if it wasn't a ball, it was a bat. If I wasn't playing cricket, I was kicking a football. You know, that was my life growing up. And it was a, it was a great childhood. George was the same. So, and Isaac, as soon as they were born, they were hitting balls and bowling balls and throwing balls and we encouraged that. And George was actually a left arm seamer. He's always wanted to be left-handed. Yeah, and he started off bowling left arm, changed to right arm, and then he fell in love with keeping. And it Amazing. suits him perfectly because he's, you know, as a keeper, I did a little bit of keeping. I kept in a first-class game once um, and did a lot in the second team early doors. But he he just, um, you're in the, in the game all the time. And as mm. a parent, it's really good watching your son who's involved in the game all the time because normally they in, in, in young, you know, age group cricket, they bowl two overs or... Mm. And that's it. Then yeah. the game's over, or they bat, and they could be out first ball. But yeah. as a keeper, you've got 30 over, 20, 30, 40 overs watching them. And it's, yeah. it's quite rewarding. So I'm glad he is a keeper. How is it as a parent? Obviously, someone who has played professionally managing that situation. Are, well, you, are, if, you, are you quite. If I can work it, it out. Look, <laughs> <laughs> um, you have your moments. I mean, I, I, he's under, but both of them are under a lot of expectation and pressure because. You know, they're the son of a former cricketer, and I think everyone can relate to that. And if, if he does well, well, he should do because he's so-and-so's son, and if he doesn't do well, he's, oh, well, he's rubbish because he should be better because he's so-and-so. So he could never really win. Um, how do we deal with the expectation? Well, you know, cricket is a game of up and downs, isn't it? You know, you, you don't perform every week in every game, whether, you know, with the ball or the bat. So, we, you know, you're quite open-minded with that, and sometimes you forget that because you just desperately want them to do so well because you want them to be happy. And, you know, I've had more failures in my life than any, you know, than I had success. So being able to, you know, mm. trying to explain that to your, your, your young son at the time that you're going to fail, but it's okay. It's, it's quite a difficult one to yeah. get your head around, but he's, he's taken it very well. And he, you know, the pleasing thing I, for me and, and both, my wife and I are extremely proud of both of them, but they their attitude is really good and they work so hard. So if if they've got a good attitude and their work rate is up, good things will happen to them. And if they're good enough, they'll find their own way within the game at whatever level that will be. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So we are going to go through the best players that you've played with. So... Blow by blow, no pressure. Obviously, you haven't played with either of us three, so there's no pressure to uh, to crowbar there. Joss in there. You might, you might be in the squad. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> a big squad. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, that's a good question. I've been lucky because I've played with and against the world's mm. best players, and that's for sure. People have, you know, I enjoy playing with Phil Simmons, who was uh, my first overseas pro that I um, I played cricket. He was a colossal of a man, of a giant, and what a great man. He, I mean, all-rounder. There's nobody better than him, I don't think, that I really played played with. Um, <clears throat> but then, you know, I, I played with Damien Martin at the very start of my professional career. He was on, um, on a scholarship with Leicestershire. So there was a few mm. games with Damien Martin nice. that, you know, um, Michael Kaspervich, Michael Bevan, I'm just trying to think of someone, <laughs> Brad Hodge. Oh, you know, I like Brad you, Hodge. Yeah, mm. you start yeah. thinking that I'm just thinking Australians. Well, I was going to say, to, uh, let's pick a six, but oh, the way yeah. 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 we go, yeah. we may as well do an 11. Yeah, so, let's, yeah, let's do an 11. Leicester for quite a while, didn't he? He captained for a year, yeah, sort of in the time when mm. we were winning the yeah, T20s. Yeah. 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 He was another one that I always remember in T20 cricket just took it to a new level yeah. opening the bat just, just whacking he, everything he was a great player and scored a test of, I think he got a test of yeah he did yeah you know I mean bat. I saw him recently in India and he hasn't changed I mean he's still a, a great player um, it, but, but you know just there's people like that and then I'm trying to think of the you know some of the Indians so we had Mohammed Kaif we've had Verenda Sehwag we had Javagar Srinath Anil Kumble I mean there's another Great four four players. I'm sure I'm forgetting <laughs> someone. Then you know Kumar Sangakkara. Oh, you know, he's one of my. You know, he is probably the ultimate. You know, he's gentleman. Bloke in he's one of well. the yeah, best blokes I've ever yeah. met. Right, putting you under pressure. Who's opening and who are your top two? Phil Simmons, uh, Brad Hodge. Brad Hodge, oh. three four. Right, it's got to be um, Kumar mm. three. Four, I'd have Michael Bevan. We're playing one-day cricket now, aren't we? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're already 100 for, uh, 100 for what? Yeah. There you go. Five and six. Um, okay, five, six, let me think. Well, Hansi Cronje mm. was a great pro. Uh, I mean, he was a, he, he played for Leicester in 1994. Mm. He was a great pro. Um, and I used to travel with Hansi. Mm. Um, he had a BMW... And I, I, I think I was in the squad a lot that year. I played half the season. I think it was 90, 95, actually. And um, I travelled with him everywhere. So mm. listening to him talk, watching him go about his work was was great. So mm. definitely have to have Hansi in there. Um, yeah. I'm missing people out here. And now I'm going to, reg- I'm going to go home <laughs> and I'm going to regret this. Five. And then okay, so then as a keeper. It's got to be Paul Nixon. Mm. Oh, he was class. He's he my was. Be- he really you was. Know, not only is he my best mate, he was, he was a guy who, who I, again, learned a lot from his work ethic. When mm. when I came, I was 17 years old, joining the Leicester staff. He was a young lad. He hadn't quite broken into the first team. So we spent a lot of time together. We played all our career, for the most part, together. I mean, just great man. You'd have him in any team. Mm. He's the engine room. He works so hard, gives so much, cares so much, helps you out so much. There's no better teammate than mm. Paul Nixon. Brilliant for England as well. Great to see him yeah. play for England. I was so yeah. chuffed when he got a call up. Yeah, absolutely. Really was. Yeah, he's a great, yeah. great player. Good bloke as well. I've met him a few times. Yeah, Lovely bloke. Top, top, top yeah. man. Um, so I'd have to have him in my team. Yeah. And then... Eight, nine? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, uh, you've got a mile round up. Yeah. Or should we... Should I'd we probably go, put yeah. Nico down one and bring mm. in the likes of a Flintoff. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've got to have Fred in. I've got to have Fred in. I mean, yeah. how can you not have yeah. Fred in? He, he, was, he was great. Beast. In fact, my first time I met him, we all reported for my first England, well, I say my first, our first England A tour back in 1997. 
And he was this lad who didn't know anybody. We didn't know him. He'd only played a couple of times for Lanxi. He'd obviously done very well for England 19. And there we all are, these sort of pros had been playing against each other a few years, talking to one another. It's like, who's that, who's that young kid over there? And it was Freddie. So he came out on this tour and he just grown into this huge personality and character, which he became a, a, a one of England's greatest. Um, I mean, he was a serious cricketer. Mm. Um, I used to watch... Um... I used to go watch Lancashire when I was a young kid growing up. I was about 18. And I loved Mal Loy playing the sweep off the quick. So I was yeah. thinking, oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, he had Sutcliffe open with him. And then Flintoff just walked out. And, I mean, him and Jimmy Anderson, like, as a youngster watching him, Flintoff. Mm. Just, it was unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah. Breathtaking. He was, he was awesome. They say, they say, like, at the first training session, especially at, like, football clubs, they've heard that, like, people scout people out and they're just they can know they know with their first yeah. touch in football whether they're going to be a player or not is that was there something similar with freddie did you yeah i mean he was just as larger than life cricketer and he you know he, he was good i mean he smacked it but on that same tour when i first when toured with england a there was also ben holyoke mm. oh, wow. ben oh, you know brilliant ben holyoke was was a naturally gifted cricketer so the two of them there was a bit of i'm not gonna say rivalry good competitive mm. you know yeah. sort of rivalry yeah, yeah, between definitely. them who did you go for pelly or flintoff and <laughs> and of course you know freddie became what he became and he was he was a great so he, he would have to be in my team definitely mm. uh nixon obviously next and then now what we i need a spinner don't i yeah well Cumberlay has to be. <laughs> Cumberlay has to be up there. <laughs> he, was my, he was my Brian Lara cricket yeah. go-to bowler. <laughs> yeah. In the air. Yeah. I loved him. Loved Cumberlay was, he was just great. And a nice gentleman as well. Mm. Um, but then Jeetan Patel, mm. later oh, yeah. in my career at Warwickshire, I mean, very, I'm not going to say underrated because he wasn't underrated, but he was very underrated as an off-spinner. I mean, could have played a lot more international cricket. Uh, you know, I, I'm still surprised he didn't play more than he actually did because he was very, very good. How how young was he when he? I, I can't remember when his last call up was, but he. Uh, I, I watched him playing county cricket, thinking, "Why the hell yeah. is he not playing international cricket?" I think he got called back into the squad, went to the team whilst he was at Warwickshire. But um, was that a bit later on? He got called up again, on, yeah, didn't again. he? Because he had a massive gap in his career. And I was like, he was by far the best spin bowler in class, county cricket yeah. during his time, mm -hmm. but. You go back ten years before that, you'd have had Sakhalin Mushtaq and El Kumbley, Muralithan. You know, there was a lot of good spinners about. You know, Amazing. ten years before, um, but certainly Jesus mm. as a spin bowler was great. So now I need a couple of fast bowlers. Don't ten, I? eleven, I think oh, we're we on go. now, aren't we? So yeah, <laughs> it's where I get interested yeah. <laughs> as a fellow <laughs> slow bowler. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I I don't know. You can get I can. Ali played it one or two times with James Anderson, mm. but I'm not going to qualify that because he would get into anyone's team. Of yeah. course he would. And Ali played with him in T20 cricket, so but I'm not going to call him. I played a lot of cricket with <coughs> the likes of Michael Kaspervich, David mm. Milnes. I was a big fan of David Milnes. But you saw bowl 90 mile an hour rockets at Leicester back in the late 90s. You know, he he was great. He was mm. good. Um, I'm trying to think. Then we had. I mean, here at Warwickshire, we had Chris Wright and Keith Barker and, you know, Boyd Rankin. And I always maintain that the, as a captain, you're only as good as your bowling attack. Mm -hmm. And as a as a team, you're only as good as a, the squad, your depth of your bowling attack. If you've got a strong bowling lineup, you inevitably go on and win county championships. And every year that I was fortunate enough to be part of a winning team, championship team, we had good bowling attacks. 
So a Java goes for an ath- I I remember catching Steve oh, War at slip. Yeah. He was playing for Kent. Java was bowling at him. And I played against Java when he was at Gloucester and he used to swing the ball away and you could line him up and leave him. He came and played for Leicester. He never bowled one away swinger. He bowled everything in. So I said to him, why don't you want to beat them on the outside edge? He said, why waste balls? He wanted every ball, yeah. the batsman to play every ball and attack the ball. Anyway, Steve Waugh comes in, nicks this one, and it hit me so hard at slip. I mean, I've, faced, you know, I've been at slip for a lot yeah, of fast yeah. bowlers, good fast bowlers, but this one really hit you. He bowled a heavy ball. He was, yeah. he was a great bowler. He was a character as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Um, so Javagal Srinath was a, was a good yeah. one. You're, are you not thinking of Sri Sant who no, played no, here? No. Yeah, yeah, Javagal, yeah, he was a good bowler. Yeah. Um, and he was probably the next, he was, after Kapil Dev, he was yeah, probably yeah. the first... Indian fast bowler that we've now mm. become accustomed to today. I mean, yeah, India produces so many fast bowlers. Yeah, it's yeah. unbelievable, really. And, um, but he was, he was one of the first after Kapil, I would say, that yeah. I remember. Um, and he was great. So I'm going to leave that open. That's in my flow to depend on yeah. who's fit on the day. Casper, <laughs> 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 yeah. Javagal, David Mills. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, so many. <laughs> I forget, I'm forgetting people. I'm worried oh, now. Can we just have a squad? Yeah. We'll have a squad. We'll have a squad. A lot of name dropping. A lot of name dropping. Well, if, if this podcast Dale goes out. No, yeah, sorry, oh, Dale Stane. Stane. How can I forget Dale Stane? Oh, he would be in. God. He would be in. Oh, was, gosh. Sorry, oh, that's Lord. me. Nah. <laughs> if he was fit a lot longer, yeah, he his, was um, his stats would have been mm. unbelievable. Yeah, and he bowled quick. He was rapid. quick. I was just about to say, if this podcast ends and it ends up with like some dubbed over, you know that, that we've made a change. <laughs> we've had a message from Darren when he's got home. But um, what what a team. And uh, I must just say, Darren, th- thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to us. And you've you. obviously been working for the Bears today on comms and TV. And then to stay over to talk to us is, uh, is an absolute privilege. It's not... Not often that you get to speak to a Bears and, uh, well, England legend, really. Absolutely, uh, you absolutely, know. absolutely fascinating. Yeah. My childhood. Well, yeah, Thank you. My childhood. Did, one question. Did you play in Daffy De Freitas' testimonial? Yes. Hey, I've got, yeah. your, I've got a signature bat with you on it. I must and I thought I did. I just remembered in my head. Yeah. Um, my, do, do you know uh, John Coe or Jeff Coe? Yes, I do. Yeah, John Coe is my granddad. Is that? I know, yeah. We had a Leicester reunion and he was there on the balcony with yeah, us last year. Unbelievable. But I've forgotten three guys. Daffy, Daffy who, who I grew up with. Daffy, Chris Lewis and Devin Malcolm all played for Leicester. Well, yeah. And, you know, and Dev was nearly 40 and he could still bowl. His arm yeah. was a bit lower, but he could bowl. Up there, late eighties still, and he and he he, he learned how to swing the ball yeah. with a low arm. Daffy, I remember he just come back from uh, the Ashes in eighty six, eighty seven when we when we last won them before Vaughan. Obviously, we won them in two thousand five. He came back from the tour, and I was in the net, so I would have been twelve, thirteen. And he came and bowled to me. He said, "If I get you out, you owe me a fiver. <laughs> and if I don't get you out, I'll give you a tenner." And he bowled six balls at me. Okay, only off a couple of steps. Yeah, and yeah. I'm a little kid at the time. And he never got me out. And he paid really? his money. And we became great mates because when he came back to Leicester, you know, late 90s, well, it was actually, I think it was 2000, mm. we became great mates. And um, I always remind him of the time I took a 10 off him. And he still hates it to this day. <laughs> <laughs> he, hates he hates the fact that he had to pay me. Oh, but he, he, fair play, story. he did pay. So, I mean, he would be in my team. Daffy was a great bowler. He was brilliant. He was brilliant. A lovely bloke as well. I met yeah. him last year. He was with Wolverhampton. Mm. Oh, no, not last year, year before. And he's still a great character. Yeah. A lovely bloke. 
And I bet he's still a gun. He's good. <laughs> I bet he is. He still plays in the PCA Masters as yeah, well. Yeah. He, he bowls off spin now. He still bats it. Daffy, every time he went out to bat, first ball he hit it for four at Leicester. Yeah. When he when he's he's wearing his glasses, he couldn't couldn't see as well as he used to. Bless him. First ball, you always knew Daffy would crash it through the covers for four on the up, and he did it almost all every time. time. Really? It was like, you know, that was his thing. He was he was Amazing. very very talented. Yeah. So you just mentioned the Ashes. Then, what do you fancy England's chances this summer? That, I mean, yes, I think it, it's going to be an amazing series. And I'm not just saying that to build up because the Ashes don't need any more build up. Mm. But um, the Aus- Australians are a strong team, actually. Don't underestimate the Australians because, you know, look, watching them play and watching the form that they're in as well, I think it could it could catch a few off, mm. off guard. But mm. England are playing this brand of cricket that is so confident and so exciting. I just hope that they can sustain it against the bowling attack of the Aussies because they've got a great mm. bowling attack um, and they've got two or three of the best batters in the world. I mean, Kawaja, Lavashane and Smith. I mean, goodness me. You know, you've, I've, I've you've got, got to take 20 wickets I've got to beat Australia. Day, day three and four and I'm worried. That's a <laughs> great brand of yeah. we're playing. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm. It is. I mean, what they're doing is absolutely fantastic and, and I suppose we're all waiting for this bubble to burst so, mm, some, yeah. so the cynics can say, I told you so. Yeah. I mean, why not just enjoy the yeah, way cricket exactly. is being played at the moment? Oh, why has there always yeah. got to be a negative to everything? And just yeah. let them go and play because, you know, it is great. And if and if, if we have a fit Stokes and, mm-hmm. and Root finds his form, it's going to be, it could be great. It really mm-hmm. could be great. So it's best. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I could see a little Dara Maddy taking over from maybe Crawley at the top. This <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brand of cricket. Well, that, uh, very kind of you, but no. <laughs> No. I'd love to watch no, it. I mean, that's that's a conundrum, I suppose. If there's anything that's up for debate, would be the opening yeah. spot. Mm. And it's I where Bairstow bats for me. It's... Yeah, Bairstow. I mean, they're talking Stokes. Mm, yeah. um, you know, it's very different. I think Duckett would, has to play. Really well. I'd like to really see Duckett well. play. Um, you know, I, I feel for folks now, I'm a, yeah. I'm a father of a wicket keeper. I was about to say, I think he's you know? been quite hard done by, because he's yeah. even scored runs as well yeah. at a decent lick at... Sorry, at the yeah. start, so yeah, he doesn't always, let England down. He has never let. England I was always down. devastated with Foster. I thought mm. Foster should have had more caps for England. He was a great keeper, probably the best in England yeah. for a long, long time. Yeah. But maybe his batting, maybe oh, maybe he, let him down a little bit, oh, but he, he can still bat. bat. But I think the thing is, is Adam Gilchrist changed the way wicketkeeper batters were selected. And Pryor followed on to that. Yeah, and he did the same. He he did yeah. the same. I mean, Pryor was a, was a great England cricketer yeah. forwards, but. There's been a lot of great mm. keepers who haven't played enough for England. Yeah. And, you know, Chris Reed, James Foster. Yeah. Uh, there's one or two others I'm, I'm missing out. Nico. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, there's so there's so many. We've been blessed with good keepers mm. uh, from this country. But I do feel Ben Folks is a, is a, is the best keeper in, in the country. Yeah. He's mm. a good batter to have it coming in at seven or eight to stabilise the innings there. Mm. And and I, and I still think there might be room for Bearstow and Folks to play. Mm-hmm. One final question for me before we wrap it up because I can, I, I think we'll be getting pelters yeah, from the media too. Yeah, 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 the longest 10 minutes ever. Um, but is there one player that you played with or played against who you thought was kind of, you know, didn't get the respect or recognition that they deserved or didn't kind of get to where they could have done really? Uh, <clears throat> well, I suppose there's, there's one overseas player who scored runs, more runs than anybody else, any other overseas player that I've in, in my time during my career, and that was Darren Lehman. Mm. And obviously Darren Lehman has become a great coach and he coached Australia to, to 
you know, great things. He was a great player. He played for Australia as well, but there's no doubt about that. But he, he out of all the Aussies, he made Bagley look so so much. Easier. Mark Wall made it look easy. He had all the time in the world. But but Lehman got runs after runs after runs. And there was this one time at Leicester, Vince Wells got him out first ball. And we were running around the ground, singing, jumping and dancing around. We just got the great Darren Lehman out first ball. Every time he played, he got 100 against us. We'd never seen him get less than 100. And here we got him out first ball. And you could not believe how we were behaving. We were idiots. And he walked by. He said, calm down, lads. I'll get 200 next innings. <laughs> and we're like, go do one, mate. Go, we've got you out first of all. Go do one. Well, you're not going to bat second innings. Of course, second innings, he does bat. And we finally get him out for 199. <laughs> and he had that ability. He mm. he just made batting look ridiculously easy. Um, and he was a great player. He scored so many runs, not just against Leicester, mm. but Warwickshire, everyone. And um, so for, for me, he, mm. he, he was great. I, I really like Darren Lehman. And um, and then, you see, I'm big fans of the, of the Hick and the Rampakash. Mm. You know, they scored Hick's more right. more hundreds than anybody in county mm. cricket. And yet, you could argue, and, and it's been discussed before, about their international careers. And you just think they could have been so great mm. for us. Maybe in the right environment. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what the mm. reason is or the answer is. I know it's been discussed many times. Yeah. But they were great. I mean, watching them, playing yeah. against them, watching them back, it was a, it was a pleasure being on the field yeah. and, you know, watching these greats really go back. Is that the extra different? I know I said one more question, but it's like we could, I could, <laughs> I, could literally, on, like, I could literally sit here and talk to you all day. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, if we're going to be getting told off, this is, this is the reason why, and you're probably the person to be stood next to us whilst we get done. <laughs> um, but yeah, is it that, is that the extra, is it kind of the extra 10% between the ears that make, you know, cause there were, you know, you talk of like Hick and, you know, you look at some of the other players who you miss. Oh, yeah, Andy, you missed out. Um, Still in your team. <laughs> <laughs> but you talk about these players who did so well at county level, but then kind of, you know, you look at kind of James Vince at the moment who have failed to kind of translate what they've done at club to country level. Do you, is it kind of between the ears, is it technical? What what would you put it down to? Um, I don't, if I'm honest, really know. Or one past comment because they were all three of them you just mentioned are good, good players. Mm. There's no logic to why they mm. did or didn't make it, make it um, at that level. I suppose the expectation yeah. of everybody. Mm. From my own experience, yes, it is about the mm. mental aspect of the game. I probably during my brief time within England wasn't mentally strong enough. Mm. I wasn't ready for it. Um, I thought I was, but I, yeah. I wasn't ready for it. I think as I was mature in 2007, I was ready for it then, but it was too late. It was gone. Mm. And you could argue, you know, it's not, I've seen some of the worst batsmen score lots and lots of runs. In, when yeah. I say worse, I mean, technically, you know, uh, you know, from a technique point of view, score lots of runs because they were so headstrong. They mm. knew their game and, and they were mentally tough and they had a resolve about them. And then I've seen the most talented not go on and, and become great. Mm. But why does that happen? I don't know. Every individual is different from my experience with myself. I can only speak on what, you know, it's, it is about mental toughness and mental resilience. And you hear the game is 20% technical and 80% in the head. And, mm -hmm. and that's quite right. And those who master it, I think, are the ones that um, are the most successful. And, and like I said about the Darren Lehman story, if, you're, if you've got a first ball in the first innings, you probably spend two days worrying about bagging a pair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he did, he's saying, yeah. he's not just going to get 100, he's going to get 200. And that's yeah. their mentality. They think differently. 
I mean, and, yeah. and that's what the great players do. And in my experience with mm. the Sangakaras and the, the Hodges and all that, you know, they didn't think negatively. Mm. They didn't. They did. They brushed yeah. it off and they went on and did their business where. No. It was funnily enough, it was something we were talking about on the car journey up here because we were talking about Shropshire cricket, completely different standard and level. <laughs> um, but we were talking about the arrogance of the top players who, you know, uh, they I have that. Uh, I always think a top player needs that air of arrogance, but they can go, especially playing like club cricket and like, say Birmingham League cricket as well. The, the players that are arrogant to a stage are the better players. They can go past that stage but i think you need a bit of arrogance in your game you need to be you do need, you need to be headstrong don't you You have to be headstrong and yeah. you know i said that I probably wasn't at the time i was you know wasn't ready for that at test cricket i probably didn't really get what was expected you know the mm. whole the whole occasion and and the pressure that you you find yourselves in and i never really had that until i went into the test team you only know when you're there that yeah, what it's really all about yeah. and then and then it's you know it's, it's tough. Um, I think cricket, you've got to be humble because anybody can buy you a good ball on, oh, any, yeah. on any surface. And yeah, you need to be headstrong. I mean, you've got to be confident. You've got to believe in yourself. And you have to be, do be that in any walk of life. Business, you've got to back yourself, back that idea that you've got to go out there, work hard and attain it, sell it to people, make them mm. believe in that product. Mm. It's the same mm. as a sportsman, isn't it? You've got to, you've got to believe yourself. And as I've said, I've seen many cricketers in in my, I'm going to say 40 years, 30 years, 35 years of, of being around age group cricket and professional cricket. And the amount of good cricketers that didn't go on and make it. Mm -hmm. And the only reason why was, you know, either their attitude, their, their work ethic, or they just weren't cut, cut for it. And, mm -hmm. and that's the same at the higher level as well. It gets even tougher. Mm -hmm. Um and and that's why these England players have these great careers because they are mentally tougher yeah, than, yeah. than everybody else. You have to be because you're exposed. Everyone's talking about you. The papers are talking about you. The news, you know. The, the, Do you the, think social media has yeah, made a big difference these days? Because like you were talking before, mm. obviously uh, uh, about uh, cricketers that have probably been criticised a little bit more than others. And I think sometimes, do you think they look at it and because obviously back in the day, did you? Did you look at tabloids? Did you look at the papers? Or well, that's all we had. It was a, the media, yeah, the radio press, or or the tabloids, or you know, you, you know, or the broadsheets, whatever. It was either written or you you heard about it. Mm. Very rarely on TV, unless you played for England. There was no sort of yeah, coverage exactly, of yeah. domestic yeah. cricket anyway. So, early text. Yeah, and <laughs> it was only small small reports. So, it would be interesting to see how you would cope, or how would cope mm. in today's age where everything is scrutinised. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, everything is analysed. Now, I did that naturally anyway, and I probably did it too much and it inhibited my performances because it made me worry a little bit mm. too much. Mm. And now with the modern technology and the scrutiny that they get and they know exactly where they're going to hit the ball and they have talk about these matchups and what part of the ground... <laughs> I'd be gone. I don't know how to survive. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah, I think, think so. I think yeah. they are. You know, they're used to it a lot more yeah. now. And and of course, franchise mm. cricket and T Twenties on on TV a lot more. Where we only got on TV when you made the the semi final and the final yeah. of the Lords. You know, you, you well, exactly. that was the only yeah, time yeah, you were, the only time as a domestic yeah. cricketer. You went on TV yeah. semi finals and final. That was shown. Everything else, you you mm. never you were never yeah. on TV. So unless you played international cricket, so. Mm. They're better prepared for that now, yeah. for that distraction and, and that 
that attention that they get. I was going to say, it kind of sounds like it's set up for a certain type of cricketer now uh, to get to that level with all the scrutiny and the analysis and stuff. But I guess it's, I think it's probably harder for someone who hasn't played at like county levels as a kid to break in later mm. because when you're younger, you'll kind of grow up with that standard of player. And I guess that's probably what's probably harder for players now. I mean, Cook spoke about just even the the difference in the the visors in it with lids now and stuff like that so it must you know i guess i guess it's you know as they grow with it you, you sure. they kind of more used to it with the helmets when i first started playing we didn't wear helmets mm-hmm. <clears throat> then we had the open face ones with no visor at the front just the earpieces then we went to the visor and up until 2010 my my gap used to be this big and I never thought the ball would ever go through that letterbox yeah. <laughs> until, that it, it, until it did. Oh, yeah, no, it was a 90 just, mile an hour bouncer from Neil Carter. It's changed Stuart Broad because yeah. as a batsman, I used mm. to love watching Stuart yeah. bat. As a, as a bowler myself that can chip in with the bat a little bit, just I used to love watching yeah. him bat. And now, well, I haven't known Stuart since he was a young boy. He yeah. came through Leicester, oh, he's Leicester as well. Yeah. Open so the batting, he used to open the batting at yeah, school. Yeah. And he, you know, he can play. He yeah, could play. And when I got hit, Fracture, I got a decompressed fracture of my mm. cheekbone and 10 fractures in my eye. And, and I was worried I was never going to see again. Mm. But I knew the history of these injuries that players never recovered from them. Yeah. Once they got done in the old days by the old West Indian greats when they were wearing a cap, they, never, they were never the same batter. They mm. lost their edge. And that's not talking out of turn. That's no, just, that's that was true. fact. And it took me a good two or three years as well here. And it was by which term it was almost too late mm. to, to really overcome that. Mm. So I can sympathize otherwise i do sympathize with what stuart's going through it's it's the hardest thing because you you top class athletes you're sportsmen you you think you're invincible and then all of a sudden you're broken and you look in the in the mirror and you see this reflection that doesn't resemble you that has a mental effect mm-hmm. on you and then you know there's no reminder if you have a fake a finger you don't need to look at your finger kind of thing mm-hmm. you don't look at it again but you look every day in the mirror and you see this man who you don't recognize because he's battered and bruised and mm. you know that takes a lot of getting over well, of course, and yeah. and when you're in that and then everyone starts talking about it when you're in that environment it's it's really tough and that's when mental toughness does come in can, you know. can just one question um can you talk us through when when you were playing early days no helmet was there anyone that stood out to you as a bowler that you were maybe I say afraid but you were you were facing you're thinking wow this is quick by the time I turned pro, we were wearing the full visor. Right, so it was okay, only yeah. schoolboy and club mm. level. But I remember there was a brilliant cricketer who never made it for Leicester. He was a club cricketer. And he was like Superman. He was like Clark Kent, dark hair, <laughs> okay. glasses. But he bowled rapid and he hit the ball miles. He would have been an unbelievable first-class really? cricketer. Never, for whatever reason, quite made it. His name was Ian Simpson. And I played with him, Simmer. And hopefully he might listen to this and he'll give me a buzz because I haven't spoken to him okay. for years. But he honestly was rapid as a club cricketer. And, yeah. you know, he used to hit everybody on the head because no one wore, hel- and no one wore helmets and or, or no visors. So, I mean, phenomenal at the time. But that was because I was a 10, 12, 13-year-old boy, yeah, you know, that yeah, I think exactly. of him like that. Mm. But he, he was he was a good, you talk about league cricketers and lots of, there have been lots and lots of good league cricketers, but he's one of my favourite that I remember growing up yeah, playing with and against actually. Being a, a lesser lad, Les Taylor, Les, Les. Well, a Hinkley boy, isn't he? So because he's my um, 
my granddad's cousin. And this is the thing about Hinkley, you're always related to everyone. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> everyone. But he, Andy, um, Andy yeah. knows everyone. Met, yeah. And if they don't know Andy, yeah, they've yeah. heard about his infamous Birmingham League town, haven't they, Joss? Everyone has. Have you heard about it? <laughs> well, have we got time? Actually, coming. Yeah. Did you ever watch Les when he was young? Yeah. Or were you, was he I mean, Les and Nag, the yeah. stories are, you know, legendary in the Leicester chamber yeah, yeah. but when I started because Les had retired probably two years before me before I started uh, as at Aggers yeah. and in fact we wheeled him out to play in a one day game because we were short one year and he came and did a job okay. back in 1991 I think that might have been he'd been retired right. for a year really? and um, gave up his commentary and came involved in a Sunday league or he might have been a quarter final or semi final something like that anyway Anyway. But the stories of, of Taylor and Agnew are yeah. legendary. Yeah, I know. And I remember seeing him bowl, of course I do. And, you know, these guys are my heroes. Oh. I, you know, but I, I, the home of cricket, Grace Road. You know, that's yeah. where I learned to play cricket. That's where I love playing. You know, I never knew a guys. lot about Les until, unfortunately, my granddad passed away. And uh, at his funeral, I was sat on a table with uh, Stevens and Les Taylor. I was like... <laughs> Oh my God, some stories going on here. And I was like, out of place, <laughs> okay, but I was just sat there just listening. <laughs> Right, Great man. so I'm very, I'm very, very, very aware that we're o an hour over yes, our ten minutes. Okay. <laughs> but, Sorry, um, no, 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 no. no uh, absolute, absolute, no. absolute pleasure. It's been, uh, it's like, like we said, it's not every day you get to speak to people like yourself. And um, the final thing is, uh, we are coming here on the 23rd of June, are we not, yes. boys? And uh, what's going on, Joss, on the 23rd of June? So the Bears have given us a couple of stands in the Hollies. So we're trying to encourage as many clubs from Shropshire as possible to come along. And the Birmingham League in the Midlands. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yes. Yeah, not <laughs> just Shropshire, <laughs> just. Uh, don't not forget, just don't forget about just the Birmingham League. Just good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Discounted tickets, discounted food and drink, bit of inter-club competition at halftime. Mm, on the pitch. Yeah. And that's a Friday great. night. Friday night, night yeah. yeah. So it's going right? to be fun. Well, I am now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I went, I'm just going to end with this, okay? This is my part in chat. I went to Leamington to pick up George on mm. Saturday. They just won their second game of the season. They're all buoyant, having a birthday celebration at the club. Um, Shane Dowridge is DJ Shane Dowridge yeah, yeah, playing yeah. on the decks, right? <laughs> so I walk in there. First thing someone says, we're five short next weekend. Can you play? <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, earlier in the day, I was looking at the scorecard thinking, they're not going to win this. I might have to come out of retirement <laughs> and play. Anyway, they're five short. And they're saying, can I play? So they're trying to get me to play at West Brom on Saturday really? and there'll be another chance to play with George. So oh, are you playing? Fantastic. I might. Uh, yeah! I said, oh, give yes. me till Tuesday. Oh, I'll Cal Connor exclusive yeah. if I get Please the Please play against Shift Noir. I'd love to bowl. <laughs> you whack me everywhere. I don't care. You might have I to toss care. it up for me. Give me a few. I don't care. <laughs> he, I'm he, tossing it up anyway. I'm the slowest seaman in that league. Genuinely, it goes backwards. I think one of the batsmen was there. The non-striker went, you're not going to hit it. He goes, oh, so slow. I can't. Got <laughs> <laughs> to keep it standing up, mate. That's <laughs> no, but yeah, thank you very much. And Cowpod23, isn't it, Joss, is the discount code? That's the discount code, Cowpod23. Yeah, and uh, on the pitch, Interval Entertainment, and you never know, you may meet a Warwickshire and England legend whilst you're at it. Anyway, Darren Maddie, thank you yeah, so, thank you, so much for Amazing. coming on the podcast. Thanks and... So I wish you all the best. And yeah, maybe we'll be talking about you on the pod having scored some runs for Leamington. Oh, <laughs> I hope so. That'd be good. That'd be great stuff. Thank you. Thank That's you very much, well. everyone, for listening. Until the next time. Goodbye. Well, that was bloody amazing. Yeah.
deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.